1: Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply.
2: Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For.
3: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Defect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.
2: Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio.
3: Hey, Dave. Oh, um, hey,
0: Elizabeth. It looks like Zaren's still gone. Did, did you see that telegram? Uh, no. no. No, I didn't see the telegram. All right. Well, it reads, and I quote, Hey, everybody, it's me, Simon Burnett. I'll be back next week. I love a good hoff bro. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll ask you this. You know what's ridiculous?
4: I do. Oh, <gasps> Have you ever heard of anting?
0: Anting. This is something no. that crows do. Anting. They do anting. They want to do.
4: Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. So... Here's what happened. Uh, Last year, 2021, a photographer captured this behavior, which um, naturalists uh, posited they thought happened, but nobody had ever captured it. Mm -hmm. This guy, Tony Austin, got an image of a crow with its wings covered in dozens of tiny black ants. And I'm quoting an article here. In the throes of what appeared to be a behavior, he described as a, quote, very odd and violent dirt bath.
0: Oh my God. They basically, they're like the people who get pedicures by putting their feet in the, with the little fish that eat the dead skin off their feet.
4: I i guess so. We, <laughs> we don't really know. Like, you know, the birders know the birders.
0: How do they get the, how do they get the ants on them?
4: Uh, It is a question of dispute. So why they do it is maybe f- uh for some sort of like, you know, self uh self-stimulation or they may be getting the, um you know, the, uh, toxins that the ants produce when they're afraid. So it, maybe hmm. it's like an adenochrome situation. <laughs> <laughs> they're just rolling in syrup. Yeah. Or, but yeah, we don't really know, and we don't know how. Like one theory is they just go up to an anthill and they're like, "Hey, climb on, dudes." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and another theory is they've been seen to pick up ants with their beaks and rub themselves with the insects. So maybe maybe they're getting it going that way.
0: Well, maybe. Yeah, um, they get ant juice on them, and the other ants are like, hold on, I'll save you!
4: <laughs> yeah, and they so all the, wind up. It's called formic acid. The ants shoot formic acid from their abdomens or anal glands, uh, which then is absorbed into the bird's body, and we think maybe it, it acts as an insecticide and keeps other other bugs away.
0: Oh, huh, um, That's interesting. Anting.
4: Yeah. Apparently, it's been seen in more than 200 species of birds worldwide, but we just don't know a ton about it.
0: Wow. That's ridiculous.
4: I think so. <laughs> it
0: totally is. <laughs> do you want to know what else is ridiculous? I do. Firefighter versus clown violence <sighs> and religious sectarianism. That's also ridiculous.
4: Yes, bring it on. Mm.
0: This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free. That, I promise you. And 100% ridiculous. Firefighters are heroes, Dave. They sure they, are. They run in when everyone else runs out. They generally show up before an ambulance if there's a medical emergency. They They save kittens from trees. That's a classic firefighter move. Um. They only save people and pets and things, and they're also lauded on the hit Fox television show 911. Wait, how do you know about that? You don't watch television. I, I don't watch TV, but I've heard. I've heard that. Okay. So the ones that I'm going to tell you about today, though, they're not heroes. No heroes. This is back in the early days of firefighting in North America, Toronto to be exact, mid 1800s. So let me give you a little bit of the political landscape at the time. The police in Toronto. Uh, we're pretty much controlled by Irish Protestant immigrants, okay. and they're members of the Orange Order. Are you familiar with the Orange Order?
4: Um, <laughs> I'm familiar with the Orange Julius Order. That's
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a sub branch. That's, a sub-branch. that's oh. sort of like the way that the um, Shriners are part of the Masons. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so the Orange Order. It all goes back to like. William of Orange beating King James II and the Jacobites in the 1600s.
4: With a sack of oranges, right?
0: With a sack of oranges. Yeah, it was a brutal thing. Um, The Orange Order, here's like the main thing that we need to know. They're basically um, a big part of, they're at the center of sectarian violence in Scotland, Ireland, and in this case, Canada. So I don't want to get into the whole back and forth. I have a very strong opinion on this matter. But I also don't want angry emails or an orange parade outside my door. Bunch of so, Syracuse
4: fans knocking you down. <laughs> I'm just
0: gonna, I'm just gonna do my best and just tell the facts here. So, um, it is safe to say that the police and the fire services they drew heavily from the Orange Order in Toronto in the 1800s, and members of the Orange Order called themselves Orangemen. And then in there was a government report in 1841 that um, said that the influence of the Orange Order on the Toronto Police Department was, quote, a great and growing evil, which should be discountenanced, denounced, and repressed by the exercise of every authority and influence at the disposal of the government. So, like, top down, they're just like, this is bad business, you guys. Okay. You should not be running the police department. It is important to note, Toronto... Totally wild frontier town back in those days. Saloons, bordellos. Um, as I was reading through all the research on this, I started to get the impression that a lot of these like psychos and hooligans in the police and fire departments were kind of hiding behind the protective name of the Orange Order.
4: Oh.
0: So it's like if you're just a madman, you're like, yeah, I want to be a cop. I'm gonna go bust some heads. And they're I'm in, I'm in the Orange Order, let me in. Because if you were a card carrying member, they just gave you a job. Like, that was just well-known. So there's no vetting process. Um, Bad actors, they'd be well-served to join the Orange Order in order to do whatever they wanted under the protection of the Orange Order. So there's growing tensions at play, too, because this is mid-1800s. The Great Hunger, Irish Famine, in full swing. The diaspora has begun. um, And since Irish people are being starved out of their homeland, they fled to North America. We hear a lot in the U.S. about... Irish in New York or Boston or all these other places along the East Coast, but a lot of Irish relocated to Toronto as well. Hmm. And these are Irish Catholic immigrants. And they're coming to a town run by Orangemen. Oof. Yeah, not ideal. Sectarian violence, hatred, real, not ideal. Um, That's that delicate political state in Toronto at the time I'm going to tell you about. Um, I've oriented you to time and place. Dave, I want to talk to you about fire. I
4: love fire almost as you, much as you love trains.
0: I know. It's close. Um, <laughs> do you know much about the origins of North American fire departments, Dave? Uh,
4: I'm not going to make something up. I'm just going to say no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so they they weren't public municipal operations. They were private businesses, for-profit private businesses at the time. And they had like sliding scales for the cost to put out fires so, like the richer the neighborhood, the higher the cost, and then there were always rumors that um they would start fires to be able to get paid to put them out.
4: Mm, you I, know. I, I didn't realize the practice was that old <laughs> well, <yeah.
0: laughs> so they were they really weren't the brave men and women of fire stations we know today. They weren't anything like station one eighteen in the hit fox television series nine one one or so I've heard so. Here's an interesting thing about firefighters, though, that I learned when I lived in Glasgow, that have you ever heard the derogatory term NED, to call someone a NED?
4: No, I've heard Yob, but I haven't yeah, heard NED. Yeah,
0: so NED is like a Scottish name uh, for violent hooligans, and I was told that it's an acronym for non-educated delinquents, hmm. but... Um, I haven't been able to find anything to really like directly back that up. It's been in use for a really long time, and I did see that that was classified as a backronym invented after the fact. Is
4: that the same as uh, the derogatory term for Italian immigrants in America? WAP, people say was without papers.
0: I think so. That it's yeah. not really, yeah. It's a, it's a backronym, which <laughs> was a word that I learned. So. Okay. Neds, right? They terrorize and randomly attack people. They drink Buckfast fortified wine. That's about as much as I could tell. They also apparently don't like firefighters. So when firefighters respond to call outs, Neds attack them by throwing things like rocks, bricks, Molotov cocktails. Or like
4: an an atomic dustbin.
0: An atomic dustbin. (laughs) The Neds have them. So it's like at its worst on bonfire night. But this goes on throughout the year. So when I lived there, there was an article in The Guardian that said, quote, youth set fire to cars in dead-end streets and then lay in wait for firefighters whom they attacked with knives or stones.
4: Holy cow. This sounds right? like,
0: uh, sounds like purge night. It's well, what's weird too, is that like here in the States, firefighters are totally lionized and like, you can't imagine someone lighting a fire to then like, and not just one person, like a whole group of people being like, you know what? Let's get us some firefighters tonight sure. and just you know light them up. So this is that's dark. what's happening. <laughs> so there are neighborhoods in in Glasgow where fire trucks they can't go without police escorts. Hmm. Um, I don't get the reasoning behind all that. I don't know why the people hate the firefighters, but so in the early days of I'm bring, see, I'm bringing this full circle. in the early days of firefighting in North America, the firefighters were basically Neds themselves. Like, they were not trained, they weren't heroes, and they just wanted to, like, mess stuff up. Hmm. So when you have a for-profit endeavor, like these fire departments, you also then have competition. So if a fire broke out, sometimes two different fire companies would show up, and sometimes the engine companies would fight each other for the gig right there, just, like, duking it out.
4: I, this, this scenario reminds me of, um, I think it's the... Is it Mother Jugs and Speed? There's that movie about, like, the lazy ambulance company and mm-hmm. they're always duking it out for ambulance callers. They're like, "Oh, this yeah, is I'm not ours. Familiar yeah, with it. yeah,
0: but that's this, basically the same thing, okay. So a company might get sent out ahead. Like they'll send one guy ahead um of everyone else to call dibs on a hydrant. And then if even if the other truck shows up first, he's like, "Sorry, we already called Dibs on this hydrant." You know, they're right behind you. They would block each other in from like responding to call, they couldn't get their trucks out to respond. And so this wasn't just in Toronto, that was all over North America, New York, Baltimore, even in San Francisco, although at the time they were seen as like uh, a calmer sort of fighting than in East Coast firefighters. They just Hmm. were like, not, not as brutal. Um, But firefighters at the time, they were violent guys. And 1855 was a particularly crazy year in Toronto when it came to rioting firefighters. So the first set to happened when two brigades, one of which was the hook and ladder firefighting company, responded to a fire. Uh, These two companies, they start fighting over who's going to put the fire out and essentially like get the contract for it. Of course, like the building's on fire this whole time and they're fighting out in front of it. And then the cops show up and they break it up. Someone's got to put out this fire. So the firefighters look at each other, they kind of shrug, and then they all turn on the police. (laughs) So you've got the cops fighting the firefighters. It's this huge (laughs) brawl. This melee keeps growing. Meanwhile, no one's fighting fires. Like, they're just fighting each other. It's madness. And that was later called the Fireman's Riot of 1855.
4: Wow, Was anyone, like, standing
0: there going, like, fellas, fellas, fellas? (laughs) <laughs> They're like, um, there's like some lady holding her cat who's like, um, like, pardon me, my, oh, oh, dear, oh, can't we work dear. this out? <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, you got a solid riot on your hands when it gets its own name. Riot. Like, straw, straw, riot. This is proper stuff. Let's take a break. Um, let's go see it. First, let's check and see if Zarin's back. You check the tennis courts got and it. then I'm going to check the prepper room in the basement Um, And then we'll circle back around here. When we come back, I'll tell you about an epically ridiculous riot in Toronto in 1855 that puts all other firefighter-involved riots to shame. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Please.
1: As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like simply safe.
5: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes that it's not a waste, that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, we're back. Um, I didn't see any sign of Aaron. did you? Uh-uh, not right. on the test well, courts. Let's talk riots. Um, Brian. We've got firemen <laughs> in Toronto, and um, they're pretty much all members of the Orange Order. They, across the board, love to fight, and they're proud of it. They're proud of their fighting ways. They've just gotten done fighting each other and then the cops. So it's summer of 1855. What else happens in the summer of 1855 in Toronto? Hmm. The circus came to town. Yes. And let me tell you something it wasn't just any circus, Dave. It was S.B. Howe's Star Troop Menagerie and Circus. Coming straight out of New York State, baby.
4: That sounds like something
0: I would really like to see. I would like to be part of a Star (laughs) Troop menagerie. That sounds amazing. But yeah, it was one of the first, like, honest-to-goodness circuses in North America. It had elephants, lions, tigers... The whole thing. Um, All the abused animals a person could want (laughs) to see perform against their will. Rotten Uh, food.
4: (laughs) Lots of... You uh, could see
0: them whipped. You could see them insulted. Lots of indentured Um,
4: servitude.
0: It was fantastic. Um, It was also the first circus to hit the road. So, like, there are carnivals and such, but this one that had animals and stunts and clowns was mobile. So, um, are you afraid of clowns, Dave?
4: You know, that's a good question. Like, I feel like regular clowns. No, not at all. Like if you are actually there to entertain and have a good time and you got to, you know, face paint and a wacky outfit, you're making balloon animals. Great. (laughs) I I am afraid of horror movie clowns, though, because I feel like that's a whole different thing. At this point, it's normal to be afraid of like Pennywise or any of the zillion clowns in American Horror Story. Like, So yes, but no, like... (laughs) Yeah,
0: I'm not like afraid of clowns as a rule, but there's something deeply, deeply creepy about clowns. And I'm a little suspect about people who want to dress up as clowns.
4: I had a boss once who was uh, really, truly terrified of clowns. Like you could, you would send him like just a very innocent, benign clown photo in an email. And he would like just sit there and stare at it and be like, I'm so mad at you right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: amazing. Sorry, Mike. Clowns, clowns always kind of smell bad, mm. and like sweat and mothballs. Who
4: is it? is it? Didn't we read that David Arquette is a
0: uh, is, is he like, a secret clowner?
4: No, I think he bought Bozo the Clown, uh, like the oh, rights to Bozo the Clown, and is is like clowning it up for charity now. Oh boy, I think well, it's David Arquette.
0: Godspeed. That yeah. but, you know, bless him. I, I I'm I don't know. I guess I I'm happy for people who are like stoked on clowns. But I, you know, so you're not. It's clown not that positive. I'm neutral. I'm not clown positive. And I'm not necessarily <laughs> clown neutral. I'm clown suspicious. Um, they're creepy. So the clowns in this circus, though, they also had like all the carny jobs of building the tents and breaking them down as they go city to city. So the circus rolls into town, and the clowns slash roustabouts they set everything up.
4: Do you think the clowns had to do that in costume?
0: I like to imagine, yes. <laughs> big shoes flopping around. So the lead clown was a guy named Myers. And he was, you know, they set up in Toronto. He's like, you know what? We deserve a night out, friends. Come on, my friendly buddies. So he took him to a bordello, as you do. Of course. When you're in Toronto in 1855. <laughs> yes. Prostitution was illegal, right? But the brothel business was booming, um, especially when big events came to town, like the circus Place would be jumping. They're like circuses in town. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a busy night at the bordello. Uh, so since wait, wait, the wait, lo- wait, 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 wait,
4: <laughs> wait. Do you think it was circus <laughs> night at the bordello? Like, like, did some of the sex workers get into? Like, would it pull out the people who were really interested in clowns? Like, interested in clowns?
0: No. Well, I don't know. What <laughs> if you're? What if you're working at the bordello? and a bunch of clowns roll in and you have a clown phobia <laughs> but you got to bake the rent so i was I thinking
4: like you're you're in the big top you're a spectator and you're watching you're like you know what i really enjoy seeing these clowns and just i'm like you really yeah. going i better go to the bordello yeah like then you retire to probably. the tavern in bordello yeah
0: and then they're like probably look more like a clown <laughs> like, i think it's just a crazy i think it's just crazy everywhere you look at those I guess times. so, so Paul, like yeah. don't forget too the local cops like all the officials are corrupt um, so they're just like looking the other way, everything is just a free-for-all. They, they took the West out of Wild <laughs> West and left the rest. So um, this saloon/brothel that they went to was owned by a woman named Marianne Armstrong. And I'm telling you that because it is not important at all. It doesn't matter. (laughs) So it's a popular hangout, though, for like none other than the Union Hook and Ladder. Not to be confused with the previously mentioned Hook and Ladder (laughs) Firefighter Company. So they're not only competing. They all have basically the same name. (laughs) So the firemen are there. They're hanging out and drinking and carousing with the sex workers. Remember... The firemen in Toronto are pretty much all Irish Protestants and Orangemen on top of that. Okay. And the clowns, the clowns are Irish Catholic.
4: Wait, say that one more time. <laughs> the clowns, the clowns are Irish Catholic. See, I really enjoy it. <laughs>
0: it's, I,
4: it's a funny time.
0: Irish Catholics had trouble getting solid, upright work then. Oh. Um, and being clowns didn't help their plight in the eyes of others, I'm guessing, but you know, there we were there we are. Circus is in town. It's July twelfth, eighteen fifty-five. Do you know what July twelfth is?
4: Uh it's the day after uh the uh guy from the previous Teddy Conrad stole 210000 oh, $210, dollars.
0: Right. Hmm. That's an interesting little uh, intersection there. Yeah. July twelfth is Orangeman's Day, aka the twelfth. Hmm. It marks the Battle of Boyne, the whole William of Orange thing I told you about earlier, the the Orange Julius victories. (laughs) Got it. So the circus was in town Mm. for the 12th and not just the circus. The Orange Order pretty much, they spend the day marching in parades to commemorate this. It's It's a very drum forward tone to their parades. Lots of drumming. You can hear you can hear these parades coming from really far away. There's lots of drinking, like a lot, a lot, and a lot, a lot, a lot of fighting. So it's basically so,
4: it's like a Clancy Brothers song come to life.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> and for the Orange Men, this is the biggest day of the year. For Catholics, not. <laughs> it is. It's a very tense yeah. time. So a lot of Orange Order Lodges, they purposefully hold their marches, like, through traditionally Catholic neighborhoods, which just heightens tensions. The 12th March in Toronto started in 1821, and it was the longest consecutively held parade in North America and the largest parade in Toronto up until the 1970s. So solid, you know, it's a big deal there. Um, You know the firefighters had been going hard in the paint all day, like— they're sunburned. They're just, like, you know, perpetually drunk and and ready to throw down. So, Oof, hair Dave, close your eyes.
4: I will not? Okay, fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want you to picture it. My eyes three, are closed. <laughs> three clowns walk into a brothel. <laughs> Their names are Myers, Lefty, and inexplicably Rodrigo.
4: Howdy, chaps.
0: No. These guys may have been clowns in the circus and dressed up and done all the clowning and the antics and the whatnots, but they weren't dressed as clowns that night. These guys are also the roustabouts, right, who assembled and broke down the entire circus operation, Mm -hmm. heavy physical labor. What I'm trying to say is that these clowns were (laughs) hard-boiled and they were ripped. (laughs) And they're also Irish immigrants. So... I can say this as a descendant of Irish immigrants, Irish Catholic immigrants who made their way at this time to San Francisco, um, that those folks like to tussle. They threw down without hesitation.
4: Was it like the wiriness of Jimmy McNulty? Of like, they could just like, they're stronger than you would ever imagine because- it, it's Yes, just, like yeah. a
0: secret creepy strength. Yeah. In my family line, I have a pair of brothers who went from nothing to like big time developers in San Francisco around this time. But they still acted as muscle for the sheriff when he wanted to rough people up off the books. So little, little Dukers. Um, the, so these clowns walk into the bordello and they survey the scene. Drunken firefighters are just lazed about, swilling booze, yelling, fondling ladies of the night. The clowns knew it was the 12th and they knew the firemen were all orange order. Everyone knew these things. But the clowns wanted a party. And when the clowns walked in, the firemen knew they were Irish. So, the clowns were standing there looking around, and a firefighter named Fraser walks up to them. He bumps into Myers. Good Lord. Whether accidentally, on purpose, or accidentally on purpose, Myers' hat was knocked off his head and onto the ground. Pick it up, said Myers. Nope, said Frazier. I, I like to imagine that it's Frazier Crane, as played by Kelsey Grammer. So... If you're listening along and painting a mental picture of this at home, let's all imagine Kelsey Grammer doing this. Uh, Myers? (laughs) I don't know, Myers. Colin Farrell? Killian Murphy? I don't know, whatever works for you. So, there's a standoff. Fraser won't pick up the hat. Myers orders him to again. The place quiets down. Firefighters slowly get up from their chairs. Myers cracks his knuckles. A fireman twists his mustache and adjusts his suspenders. Lefty pulls a red foam ball out of his pocket and affixes it to the end of his nose. Another fireman takes his helmet off and puts it on the bar. Rodrigo, who is maybe Irish, who knows who cares, wipes two streaks of white grease paint down his cheeks. Yes. My dudes, it is on. Chaos breaks out. Fists fly. Chairs are tossed. Grown men scream. Brothel workers sit on the stairs and watch in fascination. When the dust settled, those three Irish clowns had beaten the Miracle Whip out of the firefighters. All of them. Two of the firemen had to be hospitalized. And then the clowns ran off to the (laughs) circus. So the firemen didn't take kindly to being handed their own rumps in their own town on their own big day. No, sir. By three clowns.
4: (laughs) Beat These three clowns. (laughs) They're supposed to be the beefy boys.
0: Yeah, they're totally the beefy boys. And this is like, this is their time. And then they just get the whooping to end all whoopings. Now, when we come back from this break, I'm going to let you know how they dealt with these clowns.
5: (laughs) Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty,
2: and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. and I can't wait for you to check it out.
1: The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit.
2: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: So, when we left off, the firemen and the clowns were duking it out in a bordello, and the clowns won. The firemen, Dave, were displeased to say the least. I would bet. Yeah. So, the next day, they got a group together. You know, these these folks could assemble a mob in an instant, these Orange Order guys. It's like a convoy they, without the trucks. Completely. Uh, uh, they, they were just doing that noise with their mouths. <laughs> uh, uh. So they head over to the fairgrounds. They want revenge at the circus. Panic at the disco. <laughs> revenge at the circus. Bargains at the TJ Maxx. So... Um, they just got themselves whooped by some clowns in a cat house <laughs> they want to do over, right? Let's so play two. The, pol- yeah. <laughs> the police chief. He gets wind of this. And he he was used to seeing this kind of Donnie Brook. He owned a saloon at one point, but he's also an orangeman. And so he sends six cops over to the scene, but there was absolutely no effort to quell the violence. They're Reserves. basically Reinforcements exactly. <laughs> so they're like, for this, just this once, us police and fire will join forces. Um, so the mob of Orangemen, they demand that the circus sends Myers out. He had already skipped town, so that's just not possible. He Smart blew town so fast. Yeah. Um the fireman yelled, Give us lefty and Rodrigo and any other clowns you got back there. <laughs> No, yelled the circus owners. Not going to happen. Um, they knew that if they sent the clowns out, if they <laughs> released the clowns, they they would set off a real riot. And they'd also be sending the clowns to like a super grim fate. You know, there, like oh. these guys, now they got a night's sleep behind them. They've had a good solid breakfast and they're ready to pound clowns. So it's not going to happen. Do you think they were like, we're not going to send
4: out the clowns. We're going to send in the clowns. <laughs> Keep them here.
0: <laughs> you want, oh, I'm a clown. What about you're a clown?
4: <laughs> oh, isn't that rich? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, so the mob, they start throwing things at the circus tent. Rocks, bottles, whatever. Kind of like Ned's would at their firefighting descendants more than a century in an ocean away. Um, the cat's in the cradle, Dave. full <laughs> circle. bringing tears. So, it's so beautiful. So the circus folk, they're, they're getting pelted, right? They start throwing stuff back. Bricks of pink popcorn, <laughs> inflatable aliens, like all all the good stuff. Anything they
4: had around, yeah.
0: Actually, one of the things that they did throw was an iron rod, <laughs> which like, I love this. They're like, bottle, rock. And they're like, here's an iron rod. <laughs> um, and quickly. It, it hit a fireman named Bird. I don't know why it's important for you to know that his name was Bird, but it was. This gets everyone whipped into an absolute <laughs> frenzy. So, the mob, they start lighting the wagons on fire. Now, at this point, the police chief did the first good thing in his life and prevented them from lighting the animal carriages on fire. Oh, good. Cuz I would not be telling this story otherwise you uh, have to uh, know. Uh, 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 uh. You don't my guarantee to you is that if it's one of my episodes, you don't have to check like does the dog die.com. <laughs> I can guarantee that every time we.
4: Oh man, we were really let down by that on a television program that we were watching. I won't tell you which one.
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I I don't always long. know to check, and sometimes it comes out of nowhere. But anyway, no worries here. Animals are fine for that. I salute you, police chief. Uh, everything else, though, fair game. They're just lighting fires like crazy, which is ironic. So, um, with the circus burning, sirens sounded in the distance. It's the rest of the Hook and Ladder Company. They're not the saviors that the circus is looking for. So some of the circus workers, they jumped into Lake Ontario for safety. Because they're just like, nobody's putting this fire out. And it's an all-out melee at this point. And that's when um, the mayor, George William Allen, he arrived with a militia. Now, a fireman was about to chop into a circus performer with an axe at this point. And the mayor steps in, grabs the axe, and saves the performer. And then he orders the militia, who had bayonets, end um, the madness, which they did. So they like they put down the the whole crowd. They split them up. I guess someone at some point half heartedly put out the circus fire. Um, hundreds of people were there uh, that day, all participating. Only seventeen were arrested, and no one involved would talk. So <laughs> that's not a good ratio. It's good right? police work. Real good police yeah, work. Really good. So when they were questioned, um, people who were absolutely proven to have been there, like one guy's got like an iron rod in his head, <laughs> they're like, it was dark. I couldn't really see what was going on. I don't know. I, some of them said, I, I got swept up into it and I didn't know anyone else there. I don't know these people. They're like, that's your brother. He's like, I don't know. I don't know him. <laughs> who? Some cops who were there were like, I don't remember that. I do not recall. (laughs) They're like, it was two days ago, and you have soot still on your face. I just, oh, I don't know. There was a riot. Clowns, you say. That sounds crazy. So all 17 arrested, acquitted. (sighs) Yeah, the glove did not fit. Um, Police chief was asked what level of authority he had over his officers, and this is what he said. Quote, a very small one indeed. I give orders and instructions to the force, but cannot get them obeyed. As soon as I'm out of sight, the men do as they please. Do they call this, like, the thin orange line back then? <laughs> it's totally... <laughs> <laughs> well, like, then you start wondering, how does the rest of Toronto feel about this, uh, right? Yeah. Not good, Bob. <laughs> um, they're fed up, right? So the first firefighter riot was bad enough. Then the clowns? The clowns are a bridge too far. <laughs> so... Uh, the truth of the matter is that um, Irish Catholics, because of the influx, are now in the majority in Toronto. And so while the Orange Order persisted, and like, they even tried to intimidate voters in that next like, big election, the majority eventually ruled. So in 1859, a Reform Party mayor who had the support of the Irish Catholics was voted in, and then he and his group eventually cleaned house. Um, over the next three years, every single cop was fired. Now, most of them were hired back. But they were supposed to have, like, been able to display impeccable moral fortitude. I don't know if that's actually what happened. I, You know, some of the accounts, it makes it seem like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a great resolution that suddenly everyone's law-abiding, but I don't think that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but in uh, 1874, the Toronto Fire Services were formed, and that was a strictly regulated public entity. So, gone are the poorly trained brawlers of yesteryear. Then we actually have firefighters like true firefighters and that ends the tale of the toronto circus riot i think it's safe to say that clowns fighting firemen is ridiculous absolutely clowns fighting firemen in a brothel more ridiculous
4: check check
0: sectarian violence and bigotry beyond ridiculous and downright idiotic
4: oof yeah awful
0: What is your takeaway from this, Dave?
4: Uh, Well, thank you for asking. Um, (laughs) You never ask me. I mean, you really never ask me. I
0: literally (laughs) do not ever ask you
4: that. You know, I think one thing that comes to mind is we've all been in a bar where those overtures are taking place. Mm -hmm. Like either someone's starting some on purpose and it's like, hey, I dropped my hat. Now you have to pick it up. Or you know mm-hmm. something innocent happens and they take it too far and I think we've all learned like do not be in that place <laughs> exactly remove as, yourself as soon as you see that little spark like it's much better mm-hmm. to just be like you know what let's let's move on to the next
0: yeah exactly I don't want to be part of whatever historical riot is about to go down
4: and and That's also yeah like I think uh, now we know why you should be afraid of clowns
0: yeah that makes sense too. They're tough. They're ripped. Yeah. Ready they're to good rumble. fighters. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna take you to clown town. <laughs> uh, that's it for today. You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter for the smart stuff and Instagram for the photos. Email us if you want at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. Otherwise, tune in next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and, well, Dave Kustin. That's me. Produced, <laughs> produced and edited by Double Duty Dave Koostin. Also, mean. Research, is, <laughs> research is by uh, Andrea Song Charpentier. The theme song is by Renegade Rodeo Clowns Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. Executive producers are level headed alderman Ben Bolin and Noel Brown.
2: Ridiculous crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV... This is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us.
1: was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment.
5: Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David.